Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. So, um, Laura uh, has um, made some hearts um, and uh, on these are names of people who are waiting of healing and in the midst of waiting of healing of course there is joy and there is the peace of God and there is the journey that goes with that um, so we're going to put these at the back as there'll not be enough I don't think for everyone but I'd really like for us as many as possible to take one of these they've got different names on some people that are here today some people that aren't here today and, and um, there's a little ribbon there take it home tie it to your fridge I don't know but do something put it in a place where you can remember to pray for these folk as they wait of their healing I am in complete ad- admiration of anybody who is waiting of their healing <laughs> we all know miracles they happen instantly healings can take time and it's in the midst of that waiting that you really see what a Christian is like where they will be not willing to move from the truth that God is a healer yet they remain sick that doesn't make any logical sense none whatsoever but it makes spiritual sense out of relationship with the Father they can stand in that place I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch of the imagination it is not so they're going to be at the back and we'd love for you to take them and remember so we can pray and believe and begin to see miracles taking place of healings and while I'm on this I just want to say this that we need to pray and bless the doctors because I don't care what a healing looks like if it looks like healing it's healing And, and those men and women who have dedicated their lives to bring healing on a daily basis sometimes the church has took a wrong attitude towards that we need to bless them because some of our people will get healed through that process and it's a godly process some will agree and some will not thanks Paul for doing last week um, I had a bit of a, a, a bit of a, um, a very spiritual, active night last night as I was sleeping. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Um, I'm not going to share lots of it, but I wanted to just share a couple of things. First thing was that um, 32,000. So if 32,000 means absolutely anything to anyone in this room, I want you to come and see me afterwards because I've got a little bit more I want to add to that that should instantly if it's you don't come and say to me and say I want 32,000 pounds or whatever it is that should instantly witness with your spirit and the second word I got as well was um, it was a it was a <laughs> it was based on on Jack and the Beanstalk actually no I hadn't had pizza before I went to bed so it was definitely it was based on Jack and the Beanstalk and actually it was a sense that as he went out to, to, to sell the cow 
and come back with just beans, how that made him feel when he was received. Yet the potential of something that looked like a bad exchange was amazing. It was something that touched earth and heaven from a bean. Yet instantly the response was, what on earth have you done? <laughs> and I just felt the day that there was a word of encouragement here for us. That it might just look like beans in your hands at the moment. But with this apostolic message that we're preaching, it will create something that will see earth and heaven connect. <laughs> I really believe that. I really believe that. And I'm going to be, I'm going to get a little bit personal on that. I, I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm going to uh, Matt in the booth. Um, I had a word for you, Matt, and the word was this, that you're, you're an untapped pretend, potential. Yeah. Yeah. That it was a bit like when they find gold and, or when they find oil in the land that has been untapped. And I felt the word of the Lord was that, that, that you, there's, there's much more to come from you, man. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, and somehow, the different ways that you think, or the different expressions of Christianity, or even some would say the conflict of theology that you might stand with, is a strength. Not that everyone will agree with it, but it's a strength. And um, so I see the surface, but I see that's actually oil. I seen <laughs> there's a there's a wealth. You know, oil's worth a lot of money, isn't it? There's a wealth in you, Matt, that is untapped yet. That's not disrespect to what you've done so far, but there's something in you that's untapped yet that God's going to tap and release. And um, so I know you're an introvert, so I didn't want to share that publicly, but I felt it was important to declare it publicly. And you can shout at me afterwards if you want. Wow. Where to go today? Oh, look at that! I've just brought that. I haven't. I'll put it back. Paul talked last week about Jesus the Apostle. And I was—I'm gonna—I might touch on it this week. But I was, most of us will know Jesus the priest. Most of us will know Jesus the King. Most of us, or some of us might know Jesus, the prophet. But not many of us relate to Jesus as the apostle. Yet to understand the significance of Jesus, the apostle, you have to understand that Jesus was outside of time and matter. And he stepped into it. <laughs> you have to understand that Jesus, the sent one, Jesus was, Jesus created all things. The Bible says without him, nothing was made. To understand Jesus, the apostle, you have to understand where he laid aside. 
to be the sent one. To fully understand what it is to be an apostolic people, we have to understand the sacrifice that Jesus made, not just on the cross. Not just on the cross. Jesus, who was above everything. (laughs) And I don't think we fully understand what it meant for him to become an apostle. Because he was not only, he not only had to lay aside everything, he not only had to come inside time and space and matter, he not only, he not only did that, but he did that as a baby. Yeah. He, he, did, he did that in conjunction, in partnership with a woman. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jesus the Apostle also was in submission to other humans. Have you ever thought about that? He stepped outside of time and matter and he stepped into this place. He laid aside everything. He laid aside. And some, some will not get this, but he laid aside connection with the Father. And he came as a son representing a father but he came as a baby he came he came he came as a man now i know this will be triggering a lot of stuff in people but actually i believe that there was in jesus the apostle there was there was times and spaces where he had to submit himself to other humans Can you imagine what that must have felt like? Even as a baby, (laughs) to be reliant upon his mother and his parents. To be brought up in in that Jewish culture. Circumcised on the eighth day. All the, the regulations that went with that. Jesus was in submission to that. He chose to submit himself to that thing. Why? Because he was a sent one. Because he was not just a sent one, but he was a sent one, a sent one who represented another. <laughs> he only did what he saw the Father doing. You see, there is no, there is no, and will never have ever have been any independence in Jesus. He could not have come and died for you if he'd been independent of the Father. Go and have a think about it. But it's the truth. I tell you something else about the truth. It needs to be linked with something. All of us know the truth. But very rarely the truth will change you. It isn't the knowing of the truth, but it's more than this. Jesus said, he said of himself that he came full of grace and truth we keep trying to apply truth to the world without grace Jesus came full of grace and truth 
If we're going to tell the world how to live, then let's do it gracefully. Let's do it with the grace that Jesus had. Let's declare the truth. I'm all for declaring the truth, but let's do it full of grace and not full of judgment. <laughs> so Jesus came outside of, he came into time. I, I can, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not able to get my head around this. He laid aside absolutely everything. He laid aside everything. He came as an apostle. And he came and subjected himself in submission to others. That's phenomenal. It's the mark of a true apostle. <laughs> you represent another. And we're all apostles. Remember? We're all sent ones. Remember? Yeah. I'd love to get onto this stuff today. I don't know if I ever will, but never mind. It's, it, it. See, when the Old Testament tells us that the, the, the former, the, 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 the greater glory is coming to us, to this house, it doesn't mean to this building, because you are the house of God. It's coming to you. The greater glory is in you. The Bible tells us that, that God has chosen, this is phenomenal, God has chosen through Jesus the Apostle to make a way that He can now make His home in you. Wow. It also says that the same Spirit of Jesus lives in us. He gives us his spirit. I've done a bit of work around this actually, trying to um, having read some of this in scripture. I've uh, looked at some of the early saints and you know people like Cuthbert and Aidan and just all those people that were like sold out for God. And I'm like, wow, can I have a bit of their spirit? Uh-oh, Alan, you're going dodgy on me. Am I? Am I really? Have a look in your Old Testament. Have a look in your New Testament. In the Old Testament, it says that Moses, God says that he's going to take the spirit that was on Moses and put it on 73 other people. How does that work? I'm going to take the spirit that's on Moses and put it on 73 other people because I want them to lead in the same way. Moses led. Impartation is a powerful thing. It is a really powerful thing. So an apostolic people are a sent people. You're going to go places this week that I can't go. And you're going to stand there as a representation of the Father because of your apostolic calling on your life. You represent another. <laughs> And you go into those places as a sent one. I've often said it, but Jesus never told us to tell people to come to church. He says, go into all the world. As a true apostolic people. <laughs> to touch hearts and lives. I read somewhere yesterday that, that stars needed darkness to shine. It's 
good for us to go and shine in a bit of darkness now and again. I'm debating whether we even get started on this today. The sevenfold spirit or spirits that rested on Jesus. You see, as a man, as an apostle, as a man, he needed the anointing to come on him. He didn't come with that. Some of you don't agree, but he didn't come with that. He didn't come filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. Well, I read a bit in my Bible that says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happened before? And actually, if you think about it, John the Baptist, <laughs> never a greater prophet. <laughs> but Jesus says to John, John, I must submit to you and you must baptize me. Remember? John goes, you've got to be joking. <laughs> you should baptize me. And Jesus says, if you don't baptize me, I'll have no part with me. Because Jesus first understood what it was to come into submission, even to those who were in authority of that day. He's the Son of God. Yet he knew that he needed the baptizer to baptize him because of the anointing that was on John's life. And as soon as Jesus submitted to that, heavens opened. Heavens opened because there's something in that submission that opened up heaven. <laughs> we, we've got a weird understanding of what submission is, and I'm hoping that one week I can get on to just talking about submission and honor. Because it's key to being an apostolic people. There are a number of keys. Those two, sonship is another one. And another key is relational. And you put them all together and we get an apostolic people. I'm so blessed that I'm part of a church that wants to go after being apostolic. I'm so blessed with that. I'm so blessed that I don't have to sit in a church that it's all about church, growing numbers, the amount of work that we have done as a church over these years is incredible because we've had an attitude of you going to get sent out. We want to see you thrive. We want to see you grow. We want to see your ministry fly. We don't want to own it. We just want to see you fly in it. That's true apostolic leadership. You go to other churches, they want to gather you in. Oh, that's a good ministry. Put my name next to it. Yeah. It's true. I'm, t I'm speaking truth. Yeah. Oh, it'll look good for my church. I'm telling you, this church wants to see you successful in God. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> the seven spirits that rested on Jesus. We need those things to rest on us. And we need to operate from them. In Revelations 1 and verse 4, it says this, the seven, To the seven churches of the pro province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and has freed us from sin by his blood. 
Isn't that good? But he sends us greetings from the seven spirits. I like to be greeted by the seven spirits. How about you? But it's good. Revelations 3 and verse 1 says this, To the angel of the church of Cyrus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So the seven spirits, the spirit of the Lord. Remember when Jesus stood up in the temple? What did he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Wow. <laughs> That's the, read in here from Isaiah, Jesus stood up and went, that spirit, it's on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, and the Spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. These are, these are spirit or, or anointings or graces that should rest upon an apostolic people. They should rest on every Christian. <laughs> because they rested on Jesus. But I believe that their primary giftings, their primary anointings, and from them flows others. So, how can I bet? How many colors does your eye see? According to the medics, we only see three. So, all the colors that you see are made up from three primary colors that your eye takes in. The seven spirits of God are a bit like that. They're primary. So how many colors can we see? Again, looking at some research, I'm not medical. But they reckon we can see or make known about seven million colors. Out of three primaries that your eyes can take in. You see, it's not just about the seven spirits of God resting on us. <laughs> it begins to unfold way, 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 way much bigger <laughs> than we can ever understand. It's the same. What about the rainbow? How many colors in the rainbow? Seven, is there? The reckon? But again, millions and millions of colors made up from seven primary rainbow colors. As we learn what it is to step into these anointings, to, to have them rest on us, it opens up something much, much bigger for us. So I want us to begin to pray that God will pour that out onto our hearts because actually without those, I don't think we can live an effective apostolic life. We need them. Tell you why, because Jesus needed them. And if he needed them, I definitely need them. It said of Jesus, it was an interesting statement, but it says of Jesus that as an apostle, he was given the Spirit without limit. Wow. Have you thought about that? I don't know about you, but I'm operating limited. 
I don't know what it's like to operate with the Spirit without limit. You're asking me, do I have the Spirit without limit? Yes. I need to learn how to operate in that place without limit. But it's limited because I'm here. Because somebody cuts me up on the road because I'm in a bad mood because of whatever it is. <laughs> the early Celtic saints stepped into, saints stepped into some of this and they understood what it was to begin to operate without limit. And the seven spirits of God rest on us. I shared this a little bit, but I want to just share it again because it's, it's, a, it's a really important part of being an apostolic people, this. When there was a number of people in the upper room, I reckon originally about 500 people, and that whittled down to about 120. <laughs> Part of being an apostolic people is about relationship one with another. It's about finding a tribe that's going to sit with you. Amen. It's, about, it's, it's about knowing who's with you and who's not. Listen, we don't own anybody. We can't. But we can commit to one another on a journey. And I'm, I'm going to say that one of the keys of this thing is that commitment to the journey. So there's 500 whittled down to 120. How do you think the 120 must have felt? You ever thought about that? Imagine having a church of 500 and you go down to 120. You'd be like, what's happening here? But I tell you, the 120 people who were left or people who wanted to be there. <laughs> they weren't the glory seekers. <laughs> they weren't the gold on the hands guys. The people that were there were committed, and I believe not just committed to the cause, but committed to each other. Do you know Bob's left, has he? Ah, he's going to church down the road now. Oh, that must be a better church. I'm off with Bob. It's the total opposite of apostolic people. God's looking for a tribe. He's looking for a people who will connect with each other, who are committed to each other in relationship. And I'm not saying people will never leave. But I'm saying that they will never leave out of what looks shinier down the road. And I believe God's calling apostolic hubs together where people are committed to the cause and committed to each other Amen. more than they're committed to nice church Amen. I know I'm preaching really good yeah. I know I am so Pentecost right Pentecost get your, get your ears around this Pentecost came what when God eventually with 120 decided now is the time because of that committed people I'm going to pour out. What was different? What actually, what, what was different when that happened? Apart from you walking around with a little flame on your head. What, what was different? Some, some would say maybe the power was released. But actually... If, if you look what took place before, the disciples healed the sick. They cast out demons. Could argue from John 20 that Jesus had already breathed Holy Spirit on them. 
<laughs> Lost in some of you, I know. Blowing some of your minds with Pentecost. I'm messing it up for you. What took place? What was different when Holy Spirit came on a bunch of people that decided to wait while others left? What was different? I want to sum it up like this. They were of one heart and one mind. One heart in one mind. They were as one. If you, if you remember in, in the Scriptures, in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, they were always arguing who was the best. Well, I'll get my mom. She'll have a word with them. <laughs> my mom will tell them who's the best. Who's sitting next to Jesus at his right hand. And that was with Jesus in the midst. That was with the physical Jesus being there. And they were still arguing and fighting about who was going to be the best. Yet when the Holy Spirit came that way, it says they were of one heart and one mind to the point that there was no needy people among them. To the point, <laughs> this will freak some of you. You know, if I, said to, to, if I stood up here today and said, tell you what, I want you all to go home, sell your second cars, your second houses, maybe even your first houses, and if you could just bring the money next week and just lay it at my feet, that would be great. Here's the thing, I'd lost a plot. But when they were of one heart and one mind, that's exactly what they did. They laid, from time to time it says, in Acts, they sold land or houses and they laid it at the apostles' feet for them to distribute as they seen necessary. They didn't come with a gift and go, I'm going to give you this, but I want you to send it too. They laid it at the apostles' feet. As the, and that land and houses, I'm guessing that's quite a lot of money. But they had no ownership of it because they submitted it to someone in authority over them. This is where the church struggles because that authority has been abused over many years. And I believe this is what God is restoring. And the true heart of an apostolic church is one heart and one mind. Not agreement, that's different. I'm happy to disagree with you. But I want to be of one heart and one mind. Theologically, we will all differ. I could share some stuff up here today, even what I seen in the night last night, that you would go, he's lost the plot. But I'm telling you now, it's not about whether we agree theologically, it's whether I've got your heart and you've got mine. It's whether we think the same way. It's whether we understand as an apostolic people, God is calling us to go. And he's empowering us to do so. And he's empowering this leadership at this church to equip you to do so. Because that's our heart's desire. This is what Jeremiah says. 1 verse 10. See today, that's today for you right here, right now. I appoint you over nations and kingdoms. <laughs> Sometimes you don't feel like you're appointed over your own house, do you? 
But God's chosen to appoint us over kingdoms and nations. You see, he's just waiting for us to understand that as an apostolic people, we carry the authority of another. <laughs> Jesus, right, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said that all authority has been given to me, yeah? So that must mean he didn't have it. <laughs> Maybe he always had it. But there was a point in time where Jesus said that all authority has been given to me. And then he said, I give it to you. I give it to you. So when we understand what it is to act as an apostolic people, we understand this, that we represent another. You see, it's not your agenda. It's his agenda. And it might mean that you might have to make sacrifice to fulfill someone else's agenda. Wow. Do you mean like Jesus did? I mean, yeah, like Jesus did. But Jesus laid aside everything. Every, we'll never, ever, ever understand what Jesus laid down to become an apostle. To become a sent one. We'll never understand that. Because it's outside of this. And I even think it's outside of our spirit. But what he laid down before the Father to come into this world as a baby is immense. Amen. Absolutely immense. <laughs> and as part of me honestly believes that what he laid down, the biggest thing he laid down was his connection with the Father. That's why he kept running away up mountains. Because he, he so longed for that connection again. He so longed for that. He kept running away. I need to be with a father. So what does an apostolic people look like? It does not look like earthquakes. It does not look like gold dust. It does not look like healings. It looks like one heart and one mind. It looks like unity. It looks like transparency. It looks like relationships. It looks like submission. It looks like a deep love for people. It looks like a laid down life. It looks like living our lives for each other. Then, I believe we will see the power of God demonstrated like we've never seen. But Kit hit it on the head today, didn't he? By this, all men will know. And is it surprising that the world's not flocking to the church when the church is so divided? Is it surprising? Would you want to join something that has no unity? Some of these other things that are coming up, and I'm not going to mention names, percentage-wise are less, but they're of one heart and one mind. So they have a stronger voice. We have so many fractions in the church 33,000 different denominations or expressions of Christian church how's the world supposed to understand that I don't understand it and actually it's a real ploy of the enemy because when we're divided <laughs> if we got our act together and got it together <laughs> and that's part of why I've spent a lot of my 
last 10 years in pursuit of this. So when we ask the question, what does it mean to be an apostolic people? And time has gone already. What does it mean when we ask the question, what does it mean to be an apostolic people? I want to suggest to you this. It's not something we do. It's something we are. I think Ola spoke a couple of weeks ago on this exact thing. We are, we are, and then we do. It's something in relationship with the Father and in relationship with each other. And people say to me, well, what's with this apostolic message? It's always been there, like Paul said last week. It's always been there. We've strayed from it. It has always been there. Listen, let me explain it very simply to you. What's the greatest and most important commandment ever in the Bible? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is the apostolic message. In relationship first to the Father, and then in relationship to each other, out of an awareness of who you are in Christ, love yourself. You can only do that when you fully understand your sonship, your daughtership in Christ. So the great and most important commandment is an apostolic commandment. It's there, right in the Word, right there before us. It is not what we do, it is who we are. It's not found in the external, it's found in the internal. Another definition of an apostolic people is this. To be in submission one to another and to carry the authority of another person. So I could do you loads of scriptures that tell you about Jesus the Apostle. I want to finish with this. It says in Hebrews 3.1, Paul read it last week, that would affix our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus, the apostle. Yeah. All right, it says priest after that. Some of it says priest and king. But first it says, fix your thoughts and your eyes on Jesus, the apostle. And your homework this week is that. As you begin your prayer time, as you begin your study time, I can tell you the scriptures will open up like never before if you begin to think about this in this way. You go home this week and think of Jesus as the apostle, the sent one, the one who laid aside everything. When you read scripture, it'll, be just, it'll open up to you. You'll go, wow, I didn't realize that was there. But when it says we're to fix our thoughts <laughs> and our eyes on the apostle Jesus, I'd love to get into this. Maybe it's next time. I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was a high priest before he was an apostle? Or do you think he was an apostle before he was a high priest? <laughs> okay, time's beaten me. Shall we stand together?
Jesus, we want to thank you this morning because we'll never fully understand what you laid aside. But we know that you said, you cried out beyond the realm of time in a response to your Father. You said, here am I, send me. And Father, we thank you that you chose to send Jesus as a representation of who you are That you said that if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. (laughs) And we are, our minds and our hearts are blown away this morning. Jesus, to understand what you laid aside, the sacrifice, not just on the cross, that was big enough, but the sacrifice of leaving heaven itself. To step into this place as a baby. That you might win me. Back to the Father. That you might win a world. Back to the Father. That you might pay for the sins of the whole world. That you would come in submission to other humans. Our minds and our hearts are blown away. But Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for Jesus the Apostle. We thank you that he came in relationship to a father. Carrying the authority of a father. That he came as a son to a father. We ask that as we're sent out from this place... Haven't had our couple of hours this week in this church. I pray that as we're sent out, we'd understand every place we step, we step as sent out people. That there's no darkness too dark for your apostolic people. So I empower, I release this bunch of God-fearing, God-loving people into a world to represent another this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.